Hello, and welcome to the Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, your friend at homeschool.com and homeschool mom of six. Join us as we keep it real and chat about the ups and downs of this amazing adventure we call the homeschool life. So grab a cup of your warm favorite and a comfy chair and let's get started. Hello everyone and welcome to homeschool.com's Homeschooling and Loving It podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us again and we're super excited about today's interview. We all know as homeschool parents that it is very important that we educate ourselves and our children about all aspects of our government and the full American history. I know that's something that's been debated uh, a lot recently and in truth, we should be learning the full picture of our American history. So with that in mind, we've invited Connor Boyack to join us and shed some light on how we can make a difference right here in our own homes. And Connor Boyack is founder and president of Libertas Institute, an award-winning free market think tank. In that role, his leadership has led to dozens of significant legislative victories spanning a wide range of areas such as privacy, government transparency, property rights, drug policy, education, personal freedom, and more. Connor is a public speaker and author of 37 books, and he is best known, especially in our community, for the Tuttle Twins books. And this is a children's series introducing young readers to economic, political, and civic principles. With over 4 million copies now sold, the books have recently been turned into an animated children's cartoon series. Connor lives near Salt Lake City, Utah with his wife and his two children. Uh, We are super excited to talk with Connor today and kind of explore his books, The Tuttle Twins, as well as a new history book he's recently published. Hi, Connor. We're glad you could join us today. Glad to be here. Even though I've been a homeschool mom for 16 years or so, I'm fairly new to discovering the Tuttle Twins. And in fact, um, confessions here today, I subscribed to your newsletter like almost a year ago, and I've sort of been stalking you and enjoying your email newsletters. Uh, I just find them so educational. I mean, it's just your your regular, I guess it's what, weekly? Sort Um, of, once or twice a week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're just so informational, thought-provoking. And so it's those newsletters which actually brought me to purchasing uh, the teen series for our homeschool this year, but. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, I particularly liked, I think it was last, one of last week's newsletters um, about the DC swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it made me chuckle. We could, we could write books all about that, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But truth, truth throughout the email and written like your series, kind of in an entertaining yet very thought provoking way. So, um, I'd love for you to just share some more about the Tuttle Twins series specifically right now and why you started writing it. Sure. So I um, have two kids. We've homeschooled them their whole lives. And uh, I'm what I like to call a freedom fighter. I work in the political world. I started a what's called a think tank about a decade ago 
which is a nonprofit that works to change laws to, in our case, to have like a freer market, more property rights, more personal freedom. And, uh, and we've been very successful and have had a lot of fun. But what I noticed uh, is that when my kids were younger, I would find themselves, I would find myself coming home at the end of the day and asking them, what did you do today? You know, tell me how your day was like any dad would do. And, uh, but my oldest uh, started to reciprocate that question every once in a while, dad, what did you do today? And I'm like, uh, typed on a computer, like talk to people on the phone. How, how do you talk to a six-year-old about socialism or, you know, fighting eminent domain or any of these things? So I turned to Amazon and I went uh, on, uh, you know, searching for books that would help me teach my kids just like they have books for potty training and the birds and the bees and like any topic under the sun including all the crazy ideas uh going through our society today but there weren't any books teaching kids about the ideas of freedom and so i teamed long story short i teamed up with a buddy of mine who is our illustrator he had young kids as well he he saw the need we didn't know if there was a market for this we didn't you know we just wanted this books to uh, these books to exist for our kids uh, lo and behold, a lot of other people uh, see that need as well. We sold over four million copies. It's it's gone gangbusters, and especially, mm. you know, that that quote of when preparation meets opportunity. We started this in 2014, but in 2020, when things you know were a mess, our book sales exploded because so many families homeschooling tripled across the country. A lot more demand. Parents struggling, saying, "How do I talk to my kids about this?" And their friends would say, "Go get the Tuttle Twins." And so that's where we took off. Awesome, and kind of something cool. I just want to throw out our we do an annual homeschool curriculum awards where our homeschool community nominates and votes on their favorite curriculum, and it's it's not paid. It's not you know influenced in any way, and they voted your total twin series as the the favorite for economics and government so that's it's cool and that was great because i had no clue the voting was even open otherwise yeah. i would have told someone like hey go vote for us but <laughs> we just heard from you and you're like congrats you won i'm like all right great <laughs> yep cool so absolutely honest there <laughs> <laughs> so another another really um one of my favorite newsletters back in May that you had written, there was a quote in there that has kind of stuck with me over the last few months and I've thought about it several times. Um, it was a quote from the National Commission on Excellence in Education. And yeah. it, I'm just gonna go ahead and read it for our listeners. The educational foundations of our society are presently being eroded by a rising tide of mediocrity that threatens our very future as a nation and as a people. And uh, you kind of used a surprise tactic there in your email and then let us know that it was actually written in 1983, um, which did have the correct effect on me. It kind of blew me away. Um, if it was so mediocre back then, we're in real trouble now, right? That's right. No, you're, you're exactly right. And that quote has also stuck with me since I encountered it a decade ago. I think about it often. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, what, if mediocre was the term of choice four decades ago, yeah. what, I think the, the words that I would use are four letters long and probably not suitable for, for uh, a family audience. Things have degraded so much. And, but here's the problem that I have as a homeschooling dad. I've, I've spoken to a lot of homeschooling conferences. I've written books for parents uh, about homeschooling and all the rest. Um, my concern is that so many of us were brought up in public schooling 
that when we go to homeschool, we replicate in our home many of the problems that exist in, you know, within the four walls of school. We literally school in home. I, I don't like the term homeschooling. I use it. It's a it's simple. It's easy. People understand it. But one of the challenges I have with the term homeschool is it comes sometimes with a little bit of baggage if we're not very intentional about recognizing that schooling, institutionalized schooling has some problems. So if you're going to educate in the home, call it homeschool, do homeschooling, that's great. But let's not just replicate the mistakes that we experience in, in the public school setting within the four walls of home. And so a lot of what I do with parents is kind of raising the alarm about, hey, if you're teaching your kids, right, maybe... If you're going to use a curriculum, don't structure it so much that you're inhibiting their curiosity and their free time to explore and be aware of the problems, at least, so that you can mitigate them and allow for more freedom and flexibility and curiosity. Absolutely. And I think that's to to the point you were making in that email, that mediocrity. We're we're at a critical point now, decades later. Um, so homeschooling, I, you know, this is actually one of the reasons why we chose to homeschool our six children was to this point exactly to make a difference to give them a fuller broader more complete education and so we you know when i finally saw what you were doing with your books and your series um yeah i was just convinced that we needed to and then uh kind of a cool thing my youngest she just turned 15 uh, but she is mm. she's She's a Sean Hannity lover. She was a Rush Limbaugh lover. Um, she's just super interested in, you know, what's going on in our uh, in politics with the government, um, with all of that stuff. So I feel like you know, your books are really going to be a good fit for her this fall. So I'm excited. It, it's been fun too because when we started, we had only our our kids series. So here you are with teens. A lot of other families similarly, when they encountered us years ago, they had younger kids or kids get older yeah. and so uh they would start asking us well what about my older kids so that led us to do our, our teen books then we got the question well what about my my young kids now we have a toddler books really what we're trying to do though is um we're trying to be responsive to our community and and their their hunger the and this comes in two forms homeschoolers they want curriculum they want they want to make sure that their kids are getting exposed to the right ideas they're being taught you know truth and and really developing critical thinking skills and all the rest so of course total twins is very popular i guess that's one why we won your award like it, it's a very well suited for the homeschooling audience what's also interesting to me though is is uh roughly half of our audience their kids are going to public private or charter school and as we've done a lot of surveys and focus groups, what we've learned is that these parents see the Tuttle Twins as a counter agent. They know that their children are in this like nasty Petri dish in, in these institutions, being exposed to all kinds of ideological viruses, you might say. Um, they want to make sure their kids have that inoculation when they're home to say, hey, that crazy stuff you were hearing, let's give it context. Let's give you a foundation of, of understanding here as I send you out into the world to kind of get all this weird stuff. And so it becomes a resource, again, for these parents to be intentional. Because what I tell parents, I say, if, if you don't realize that your kids' minds are ground zero in an ideological battle, then you've already lost. If, if you don't recognize that there are institutions, governments, media, corporations, and all the rest, peers, 
who through teachers and textbooks and TikTok are trying to reach and teach your children, then not only are you not on defense, you're not even on the playing field, right? right? You have to wake up and realize these forces are out there and they see your children as malleable and manipulatable. Is that a word? <laughs> and, uh, and, and they're going after them. And so to the parents out there, it's like, you got to wake up and realize you got to get in the game. Your kids are, are on that battlefield. And so what are you going to do about it? Whether the answer is total trends or something else, for me, the plea is let's be intentional. Let's be eyes wide open. Let's recognize what's going on and come up with a plan of action. Absolutely. And um, to another point that goes right along with this is really the sad truth that there are so many young adults that are absolutely ignorant of American history. They're ignorant of how our government functions. Um, and so, you know, I mean, this is this is something that parents, whether they're, you know, their children are going to school or they are homeschooling, is we can have a direct influence on the future um, by educating them, by teaching them. Um, I noticed that you had recently written a new Tuttle Twins book that addresses American history. Is that correct? Yeah, this, uh, like the teen books and toddler books that were born out of audience kind of demand, <laughs> we started getting a lot of people asking us uh, about American history. They've used various curricula. They maybe don't love it. They're wondering what's authoritative. They're hearing the 1619 Project, Critical Race, all, all this stuff going on. Right. So two years ago, two and a half, I went on Amazon and eBay, and I bought a whole bunch of textbooks, social studies, textbooks that are used in like 80% plus of schools across the country. And I'm reading through all of them, trying to understand how are they teaching about the Declaration of Independence, the Revolutionary War, the Constitution, and all the rest. And they did a phenomenal job at teaching what I call the superficial history. Names and dates and battles, who wrote what letter to who and when, and when did this convention take place? They're chock full of information like that. It was amazing. A just multitude of factoids. But all of these books, every single one of them completely failed at teaching what I call the substantive side of history. That is the ideas, the philosophy, the values, the emotions. Like, why did these people do what they did? What was at stake? What were the debates going on? John Adams has this great quote where he basically says that the real revolution was fought in the 15 years prior to the first shot ever being fired at Lexington and Concord. Well, wait, I thought that's when the revolution started. Well, no, he's saying it was an intellectual revolution, largely because of people like John Locke, who were writing and fanning the flames of individual freedom, getting people to see themselves not as subjects, but as uh, you know, sovereign individuals. It was that mental shift that led to the altercations, which led to the revolution. These books, these textbooks, don't even mention that. If they mention John Locke at all, it's this tiny passing reference. So to that, I say, we all know this quote, those who don't learn from the past are condemned to repeat it. We all know this quote. We suck at doing anything about it because these textbooks that we're training all the rising generation on, they're not teaching kids to learn from the past. They're simply teaching kids about the past which is kind of like walking them through this museum and it's like oh look they used to wear uniforms like this and they used to eat things like that look at their utensils oh look at this journal someone wrote okay kids let's go to the cafeteria and and it's just this passing cursory review of history where you learn some 
things about it, but you don't learn from it. So our new book, it's a 240 page storybook, not a textbook, not a factoid thing. It's just one big, uh, it's a series of stories. Every chapter is a story. And, and because that's how we as humans learn is through storytelling, especially history. And our book, while it does talk about some of the stuff, a lot of the stuff that did happen, it's more focused on two things. Uh, why these things happened. In other words, the context, the ideas that were being debated and so forth. And number two, how those things matter to our world today. If we're going to have kids learn from the past so that they don't repeat the mistakes today, we've got to help them understand how to do that. We've got to kind of hold their hand and say, here's how you learn something from history. And then here's how you think about modern events and kind of draw parallels and, and, and draw lessons. So at the end of every chapter in our book, we've got these sections that are designed to do exactly that and say, okay, here's what we talked about. What do you think about it? Here's a modern example. Let's, let's discuss as a family or whatever. Um, this to me, and I'm blown away because like I hated history in school. I'm not a historian. Like I did horrible reading from these textbooks and being forced to memorize stuff. And so here I am producing a history book with my team. It's just, it, it, it's otherworldly to think that I find myself in, in the shoes that I do. But I wrote this book, not for anyone else other than young Connor, because I know my own experience and I've had to think, how would I have loved history at a young age? This is how, by, by, by having stories and by, because I was the kid that would raise my hand and say, why, does, why do I have to learn this? I mean, the quadratic equation and mitochondria being the powerhouse of the cell, like who cares, right? And, and the teacher would say, no, no, it's on the test, you know, put your hand. And so I wrote this book for young Connor thinking how could I inspire a young, you know, 10 year old Connor to really love history and more importantly, learn from it. This is how, this is the book that we've created. And we've got curriculum and videos and an audio book and this whole kind of bundle that goes with it when people buy it at, at TuttleTwins.com. But for me, this has been a labor of love and it's actually volume one. We're hopeful that we can continue doing additional volumes with uh, more of the history. Sure, I, I think I saw that it, what it goes through 1776. That's correct. We start clear back in the 1200s and go all the way through 1776. Wow. And I love that brought out, I guess you could say the heart of history, the why, why these men did what they did and what their heart was in yep. all of it. I had a um, junior high school history teacher that really did that for me. And I, you know, I was just like you, I hated history because it was, it was just isolated facts and it just felt like, all we were doing was memorizing. And then mm. I had this particular history teacher and it changed how I saw history. And I saw, you know, like you, like you were mentioning those overarching reasons and, you know, the heart behind what these men were doing. And um, it definitely makes a difference. So I'm excited. I'm really excited to see your book. Thank you. Um, I know you're a homeschool dad. And um, you have a homeschool family, obviously. You understand the demographics of the busy lifestyle and all that goes on. Um, but I have a question for you. What can we, as individual families, as homeschool families, do? I mean, obviously, we're, you know, we're studying history in its complete, complete history. Um, we're you know, digging into Tuttle Twins books ourselves this year and kind of getting into the government side of things. But what can we do, um, I guess you could say, in, in a, like a positive action? What can we do boots on the ground to make an impact for our country? 
I love that question uh, because you know, he didn't actually say it, even though it's often attributed to him. But this this quote we think Gandhi said, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world, uh, whether he said it or not. Uh, there's truth there. And part of the frustration I've seen over the past two years as we've gone through all the COVID craziness mm. is freedom loving families feeling paralyzed and feeling isolated. Despite how connected we are online, people are increasingly feeling disconnected. They are feeling isolated, like there's no one in their community who thinks like them. This is why I'm so grateful for homeschool co-ops just exploding across the country in the past several years, because there's such a solution to connect families together in this common cause. So, so what I think we can do, it's connection. That can take a few forms. So uh, maybe you, you host a book club with other families or other kids and you all read and you discuss and you just debate and, and discuss ideas. And that spins off and creates other friendships and relationships or business opportunities or who knows. Um, you host a cottage meeting, invite the mayor, invite you know the local senator, invite a city councilman, invite a school board member, gather a few other families, do it as a homeschooling thing for the kids, do it just as the parents, as the voters. Uh, politicians love to talk about themselves. And if you give them an opportunity, they will take it, especially what's curious about this. And I've seen it work as I've recommended this over the years. If you go, let's say to your, your local mayor and you say, Hey, I'm hosting this cottage meeting. I would like you to be our guest, come speak and talk about some of the stuff happening in our community. Uh, that individual, that mayor, who's a human, just like you now has a relationship with you and sees you as a connector as an influencer, so that later on when you wanna go make an ask or you have a favor or you wanna push for something, promote something, you've got an in because you have a different perception. You're not just a random voter, you're you're one of the influencers in the community. So, so connection. Uh, here's a fun little trick I've uh, suggested and some people have done this. Um, you don't have to be a very large organization to make an impact. So you and three other moms, let's say, could create a, a group. Uh, Jamie, where, where are you located? I'm in Georgia. Okay, so you could you could say, uh, you can create an organization called, I'm just gonna make up a random name, right? Georgia Moms for Medical Freedom, if that was your, your topic, right? Let's say you were really upset over mask mandates and the rest, and you wanna make sure the laws are, are in a really good place to make sure nothing like that happens ever again. You and three moms get together, you call yourselves the Georgia Moms for Medical Freedom, and now you ask your local senator and you say, hey, I'd like to take you to lunch and uh, introduce myself and our organization and learn a little bit about what you're up to. Everyone likes to eat. Everyone has to eat lunch. But what's interesting about this, much like there are uh, prey out there that can, when, when approached by a predator, they can puff themselves up or make them look uh, bigger to ward off the threat. You rather than saying I, I have this opinion, I think this, I want to do this. If you have the ability to say we, my organization, we think, even if there's only three people, they don't know if there's 300 or 3000 or 3 million, you represent an organization that changes the dynamics. And so now you're meeting with this legislator and they're getting to know you and they, they're thinking, oh, well, they represent many other people uh, potentially, so I, I should take them seriously. So just connection with other people, the way to make a difference with others, this is our bread and butter at running a think tank. It all boils down to relationships. It's not enough to complain on Facebook and vent on Instagram or you know yell at the TV. We have to... Uh, influence. We have to gain control over the levers of power. How do we do that? Well, strength in numbers, you know, 
big organizations, whatever, but also these elected officials are humans at the end of the day, responding to uh, their own biases, uh, outside pressures, ignorance, uh, all kinds of things. Let's connect with them as humans if we want to make a difference, make an impact. And, and don't be intimidated. Oh, there it's the mayor. Oh, it's the, it's just another person. I know so many elected officials and and they're just people, you know, they, they we have this like weird perception that they're like these like celebrities yeah. or or what oh, I don't want to approach them that, you know, I, they they must be really important or really busy. It's like give them a call, shoot them a text, find their info online, follow them on Instagram, comment on their stuff. Just connect with people. The, the best thing that people can do out there to make a difference is to build connections. Local officials among themselves, let's create our own organizations and, and clubs and uh, support systems, homeschool co-ops. Uh, but as I look over the past couple of years, I think the, the reason why we lost so much freedom is because we were so easily disconnected from one another. The social fabric was not very strong. It's very brittle. Um, and so I think the way to repair society, uh, restore our freedoms is by strengthening the social fabric so that we are caring for one another more rather than all of us being dependent upon the state. And that requires all of us doing our part to connect with one another and create that social cohesion that can ward off any future kind of tyranny and craziness that might happen. Wow. I appreciate that. And it's actually something that we as homeschool mamas can do and i appreciate your illustration very helpful and very applicable so i guess we'll go ahead and wrap up um is there any last few words that you'd like to share with our audience maybe a quick story i uh i got an email from a dad a few months ago now it was i, I get these uh periodically in fact, one of my emails, maybe you got this uh, email newsletter, Jamie, I admitted a few weeks ago that I was a, a drug addict. And then I went on to say, well, hang on, hang on. It's not it's not what Hunter Biden's using. It's none of this crazy stuff. My drug of choice is dopamine, because every day I am in such a fortunate position to be the recipient of emails and texts and tweets and all the rest from parents talking about the impact our Tuttle Twins materials are having on their family. And so that's, that's a little dopamine hit every day that I'm addicted to. And this one dad, a few months ago, his story has stuck with me. He was walking down the grocery store aisle with his nine-year-old daughter. We're walking down the chip aisle and he turns to talk to her and she's not there. He looks back and she's back a ways. So he walks over to her. He's like, honey, why did you stop? And she's staring at the potato chips. She turns to her dad and she says, dad, I, I get it now. He's like, what do you mean you get it? What do you get? I get it, spontaneous order. And the dad is like, what? You know, this is from the Tuttle Twins book about free markets, how sponta uh, spontaneous order, there's no one in charge of, you know, the economy. It's that we have pencils and books and computers and cars through the collaborative effort of all kinds of people coming together, doing their little part, and it all just spontaneously creates order in our society. And that's the beauty of the free market. It clicked for her in the grocery store and she so she tells her dad, she's like, dad, there's no one in charge of potato chips. There's sour cream and onion and there's ridged and there's baked and there's all these options, but there's no one in charge of it. That's the free market. And the dad is just like, his mind is blown. And, <laughs> and he's like, my daughter knows more than most congressmen do, you know? And, and, um, and, and so all these like fun little anecdotal stories that we get to me, what, like what drives me the, the prompted by your question about the last thing I'd like to share. What drives me is wanting to change the world for the better. 
and it's why I started a think tank and it's why I homeschool my kids for it. So they have a better future. But, but as I think about all the kids out there and the future of our world, again, like the history book, we will repeat the mistakes of the past if we don't learn from them. And so what drives me is striving for a better world. And how do we do that? It's by doing things differently with our kids. It's by teaching the rising generation different than we've all been taught in decades past. Um, every day I wake up animated. I, on the on the think tank side, our political work can be sometimes depressing. We have a lot of defeats. It's very hard to have victory when there's all these forces trying to push against us. But this Tuttle Twins project provides me so much optimism. Think about a world 30 years from now where half of Congress grew up on the Tuttle Twins books. I mean, could you imagine what the future of our world would be if we can get these into schools, get more families reading them, and really raise awareness of these ideas at a young age and plant those seeds that can grow into these mature trees and bear fruit for freedom in the future. To me, it's, it's, a, it's a hopeful project. It's a reason for investing now in our future, where I think for too long we've kind of neglected uh, helping kids and families. Most of the freedom fighters and the organizations out there, they just focus on adults and voters. And so here we are trying to educate families. It's just a, such a great project. And I appreciate being able to join you to talk about it. Thank you so much, Connor. Thank you.